0: Folks, you have found the inroad. This is your host, Nick. Really, really excited for the podcast today. We're doing a remote shoot with a guest that I'm super, super, super excited about. He's an author of a book called Navigating the Prophetic, which is not just a good book, but a needed book, which we'll talk about more in a bit. He is joining us. Uh, from Alabama the great state of Alabama this evening he is Jason Dunaway man thanks for coming on
1: man you're welcome I'm honored and excited
0: to to be on here with you man so it's gonna be great man um the prophetic not a small topic no (laughs) (laughs) if we want to do this podcast could be about 10 hours long We could probably talk on it till we just fell over. We're going to try to reduce it to an hour, hour and a half, and kind of hit some of the cliff notes, some of the key points to the prophetic. When people hear the word prophetic, especially if they're not a part of the charismatic move, um, they think mystical, like the prophecy of old, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, weird, uh, Hollywood. It's like a Hollywood word. But really, it's a Bible word. It's a biblical reality that prophecy and utterance from God himself is possible through man. So in your own words, if you would, just define what true, genuine prophecy looks like in the year 2020.
1: Yeah, man. So uh, when I when I think about prophecy and the way that I would define prophecy would really be um, I it makes me think about First Corinthians 14, 3, Paul says to the you know Church of Corinthians or the Corinth Church, he says you know he who prophesies speaks to people for their building, their encouragement, and their and their consolation. So <clears throat> true prophecy to me would be, for me would be being a mouthpiece for God in such a way that would cause um, those that are hearing or receiving the word to feel connected to God's heart for them. So really. In essence, like you're connecting people to the character of Jesus and you're pointing people to Jesus through prophecy. So that would be my, uh, my statement
0: of what true prophecy is. Right. I really like that. reduced, simplified definition. I want to ask you this. Yeah. What's the difference? Because you said prophecy is encouragement, edification, building people up. What's the difference between a prophetic word, a prophetic utterance, and just going up to someone and saying, Hey, everything's going to be okay. You're doing awesome. Because some people they yeah. might say, "Well, that sounds like encouragement and edification." Is that prophecy, and is there a difference?
1: Yeah, and I would say there is a difference, and I've actually been asked that before. So I would say that encouragement is not technically prophecy, but it is more of a prophetic protocol. So basically, when you go back to First Corinthians fourteen three, that verse is like a prophetic protocol. So like when you prophesy or someone, like those are kind of the three things that not necessarily necessarily like you should be doing, but it's something that's, it's something that's pretty much like weaved into a prophetic word. So I would say that encouragement is not necessarily prophecy in itself. Now prophecy is a divine revelation that only, that you could get from God himself, basically having information about someone else's life from
0: God, basically. So that would be more of a prophetic utterance. Sure, so essentially not every piece of encouragement is a prophecy. But just about every prophetic word should be yeah. encouraging. Yeah. Well,
1: every prophetic word should be encouraging. <laughs> it should never be. Obviously, we're not, we're not, you know, obviously in the Old Testament, most prophetic words came off as judging and condemning and, you know, cursing lands and stuff like that. But now when you get into the New Testament, you know, our goal here is to love and represent Jesus. And so that's what we're doing. And so
0: how did you get into the prophetic ministry to begin with? um how
1: did i get into the prophetic ministry to begin with so um it was so interesting that you say that because i always tell people say man if when i married my wife i actually really took off in that area um because she was and she's uh, my wife's prophetic and she doesn't do a lot of prophetic ministry she's a, actually a worship leader at our local church and we did that we actually did a worship album together. Um, about two or three years ago, with some friends of ours, and so worship ministry is something that I'm very passionate about as well. I just don't do it as much as I used to because the prophetic's more of a, a place that I feel called to right now. Um, but for me, I married my wife, and um, she really did. A, she she practiced a lifestyle of hearing God's voice for herself and for other people, and so when I married her, it was almost like I joined this. Um, this journey with her, you know, like discovering what God's voice sounded like. And, and so um, I started going to uh, this community called BRG. And at the time, it was called Birmingham Revival Group, but now it's called Oak City Church. And that's where I go to church now. And so that was a community that was already really hungry for the prophetic. And they believed that every believer could prophesy, you know, Acts 2, God poured out his spirit on all flesh. And so they believed that every believer could prophesy. And so um, I just got immersed into a a culture that was very passionate about it and I enjoyed it very much and obviously it was self-edifying for me because you know I'm running after this this gift and and learning how to cultivate in my own life in the context of a healthy community as well and so for me I I started to grow um, a lot of passion for um, the prophetic ministry and the gift itself through um, a community that was already kind of hungering after that and really just a
0: community that was going after the supernatural so Awesome, and so you you sort of started, um, I guess maybe in a similar way that I sort of dipped into the prophetic. It was just sort of baby steps leading me into um, hearing God's voice and sharing God's voice. And I remember the very first time I ever, what I would call prophesied, was in a you know Jane Hammond. Jane,
1: you said Jane or Jim? Jane. Jane, no, I've never heard of him.
0: So it's Bill Hammond's daughter, and she's a. Oh. I know Bill Hammond. I got
1: all his books behind figured, me
0: actually. So yeah, it's his daughter and she's like laser sharp, accurate in the prophetic. She shared words with me, with my wife and I, I and mean, it just changed our lives. Just really, really sharp. Awesome, and I remember being in a meeting with her and she had, you know, it was one of those things where she finished teaching on the prophetic and then gave room for, uh, for us to be able to prophesy over one another. And I'd never done this hadn't really sucked following Jesus all that much. I mean, I mean, I was following Jesus, but not for a long time of like being seriously passionate about Christ. I was 18 and, and I remember I was sitting next to a guy and we're supposed to share a prophetic word. And so I just kind of closed my eyes to hear God. And I just saw like the picture or, um, the word alternator. Yeah. And I'm not a mechanic but I know what an alternator is. It essentially, as the engine runs, it charges the battery. Yeah. And so I told him, I said, I see an alternator and I feel like the more you go and the more you work and the more you labor, for most people, it's supposed to wear them out and burn them out and get them tired, but actually the more you work, your battery's being charged. God is your alternator. And he's like, man, that's crazy. I just got back from driving on this crazy long ministry trip. I'm exhausted, I'm tired. And you hearing you say that this is actually just charging my battery spiritually is like exactly what I needed. And I was so, I was so young, so new, but I realized, oh my goodness, God can sort of dip us into this, and it's easy. It's yeah. not that complicated. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've never stood really there, squeezed my fist, and tried to get a word. Either it's there or it's not. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it it is really interesting, man. I really like that story too. It's so and that's encouraging for a lot of people that maybe feel like they have to try really hard to do so. But you, you're already like we're not trying to get somewhere; we're already there with God. Like you know, He's already taking care of everything for us. He's already poured His Spirit on us. So we're really just engaging with God about people. And so I think that's really cool, man, that you got the picture of that alternator. And obviously, that would be more of a that'd be like a word of knowledge because
0: sure, yeah. a word of knowledge is
1: actually something that links us to um, something personal about someone's life that God would actually give you information about. So I think that's really cool that that he showed you that. And I think that's so special and intentional of God to do that. So. Absolutely,
0: man. And I want to ask you too, while we're on the subject, um, people have an understanding. Let's say they, they heard your description. They heard this quick story I shared and they say, okay, I kind of get what prophecy is. It's a, it's a divine utterance. What about prophets? What about someone who is a prophet? Can you sort of define that fivefold ministry office and what that yeah. looks like? And is there a difference between a prophet prophesying and everyday believers prophesying and the weight that those words carry or the content of those words?
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, that's, that's a great question too. And I feel like honestly, that's probably one of the most impactful larger questions in that some of those questions people might, you know, be afraid to answer. And, you yeah. know, obviously figured this would question would come up because I feel like it's asked so much. But, um, but yeah, I would, this is the way I would define a prophet Uh, prophet is someone who simply is either recognized and called by God or even by their local church. Um, That's, that's basically how I would define it. And I feel like also that prophets have actually have a really good track record as far as like how many accurate words they've been given or, you know, how relational are they? Are they under a covering of a church at this point? And I think that's, That's really important because you do have a lot of, um, you know, prophets out there that are maybe not linked to a community and they're kind of just on their own. They're kind of riding around in an RV just like doing ministry in the name of Jesus. And that's fine. But it's like there's a part missing there where you have relational, relational accountability and a healthy community that can like back you up and support you, you know? And so um, I would say, the prophet is someone who is recognized and called by God, like not necessarily, you don't have to have this massive encounter because I mean, you hear about prophets like Chris Ballatin and Sean Bowles who have had these crazy encounters with God and God called them to be a prophet of the nations, you know, but that's not, you know, it's not that way for everyone else. And so everyone's called differently in a different way. Um, But I also think that uh, prophets tend to carry A lot more authority in the area of equipping and activating other believers so basically a role of a prophet is someone who's equipping other believers because not everyone has that gift or that skill to equip other believers to prophesy so there's a little bit of equipping and teaching that goes into the prophet role as well and so um i would say the difference between the prophet and an everyday believer prophesying is probably just more so the roles because we all have access to the same God through the same Holy Spirit. And so I think that um, I would say that um, prophets probably have a little more experience in releasing words. Yeah. Um, I would say there's probably more authority, more weight on it, but I don't want to take away the fact that other believers, we all have authority too. So I think the only difference there would be just more of the roles and the ability to equip and teach and release and impart the, the gift and the grace to other people. And it's really up to the believer themselves to actually step out and take the risk. Because I feel like prophesying is more so just in the risk taking than anything. It's like stepping out and doing the thing every day. So that's
0: excellent. I'm really glad you said that because I, I'm not a prophet, um, but I'm more of like an evangelistic person. So people say, Yeah, come on, dude. What's an evangelist, right? And so I tell them really clearly the Ephesians definition of a fivefold minister is that they're able to equip people. Right, so every believer is witnessing in their workplace, or should witness in their family, be a witness in the street. Evangelist equips them and gives them the how-to. And the same is true with the prophetic. Same is true with the teacher. Same is true with the pastor. In every single office, the difference is one is able to reproduce himself to a degree that's just different and unique. Yeah. So that's perfect, man. If I'm ever in a meeting with someone who's a true prophet, it's true. I mean, there's an impartation there that's available. There's an equipping, yeah. an anointing, a grace. You just walk away with juice in your cup that you didn't have before. And
1: you yeah. Have a- and something else I noticed too, like when you get when you get around a group of prophetic people or maybe even a prophet, there's such a grace like in that room, in that act to actually prophesy. Like you'll notice a difference between hanging out with your friends and prophesying and you get into like, meeting with a bunch of prophetic people involved, like there's such a grace um, on that room and in that atmosphere to actually release uh, prophetic words and encouragement, and all that good stuff. So I've, that's something that I've noticed that was different as well. And even in my own life, like with the community that we have, when I'm when I'm with my other friends that are kind of in the prophetic team with us in our community, that kind of the smaller knit people that we have that are kind of operating in that sense, like there's such a strong grace um, in the room. To really just
0: you know release prophetic words over people, so yeah, that's so true. Let me ask you that you you, you mentioned the grace being in the room, and maybe you don't have a good answer to this, um, but I want to bounce it off you. I have been in rooms before where I've preached and then laid hands on people afterwards, maybe there's like fifteen or twenty people to lay hands on, and it just seems like there's a prophetic word for every single person there, effortless like I, as I'm finishing praying for this person. I'm already hearing for the next person before I look at them, right? It's just, it's just, it's just there. Like, like the world could walk in that room and start prophesying in the room. I've been in other settings though, where it's just dry. I mean, I want it to be there. I'm in, I'm in the flow and people are lined up and there's just no, I mean, there's good prayer happening, but there's no real utterance that's taking place. And obviously I'm not just going to make stuff up what kind of constitutes and what's the difference between a prophetic atmosphere and one that's not prophetic? Have you discerned anything? Have you learned how to cultivate that?
1: Yeah, I would, man, that's, that's a great question too. And that's the first time someone's ever asked me that, but I would say if you, if you're stepping into one atmosphere and it feels like really good and you're able to prophesy, it's like, it's almost like it just comes natural. and comes easy. You're not even like working for it. Yeah. And step into a different atmosphere and it's like it just feels dry you feel cut off you feel like it's just plugged up um, I really feel like the difference with that is is that maybe these people are cultivating it on a different level than these people maybe these people over here and I shouldn't probably shouldn't say people maybe just this you know this atmosphere or this atmosphere they may not be cultivating it as much as the other or they may not have room for Holy Spirit to move he's going to move either way but I, for me I think how I would answer that would be is that. Maybe it's just not being cultivated as much on the other end. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but.
0: No, that makes perfect sense. And when I think back to comparatively the the two places I'm thinking of, one of them was heavily prophetic in terms of their openness, their experience with it. Yeah. And the other one had a pastor at the time who um, like was not charismatic. We'll say that we'll put it, we'll put it light, but very much like, like very cautious with the gifts of the spirit, believed in them, but kind of wouldn't touch them with a 10 foot pole. So I I almost wonder if there is like a direct relation, like God's like, God honors hunger and openness. And when it's not there, he's like, all right, no problem. I'll I'll go to the next. I
1: I agree with you, man. I believe, I I firmly believe that hunger sets the tone for how much how much of God you want to receive in a certain atmosphere and so um I I know my community values hunger very much like we we spend a lot of time in worship and I feel like that's where a lot of the supernatural and the prophetic is activated in our churches is is through worship and that's something that I've even felt over just you know local churches in general abroad just like not just ours but just as far as I can see something that I've always felt like is that uh, worship has been really just been taken off for us, and I feel like that was something that God was saying over the church, and that um, I feel like a lot of people were experiencing the supernatural through worship. So,
0: awesome. You mentioned in what in an answer you gave a couple minutes ago, you talked about prophetic community, accountability, and things like that. We all know like pr- what I would call parking lot prophets and people who you know have no covering, like no spiritual authority in their life, and they're you know. They left the church because the pastor wouldn't recognize them as the prophet of God. And, and you know, we've, we've seen that. And um, my question is, like, how do you create a culture where there is healthy accountability, where you can't just blow in, prophesy, and then you're not accountable to your words at all? What have you done to sort of, or, or what should be done to sort of cultivate a healthy prophetic community where, you know, nuts, fruits, and flakes are weeded out?
1: Yeah, um that's a that's a great question too, man. I love these questions. Um I would say, man, that like, you know, if especially if you're doing it in a if you're in a church, if you're in a local church and you're wanting to like have more of a prophetic community, I would say that having some designated like prophetic team with like a specific leader that's over that team. So in my case, I'm actually leading up a prophetic ministry team at my local church called Oak City Church, you know. And so um something that I've Kind of, I'm obviously still growing in that in that position of like leading a team of prophetic people, and that's that can be like herding cats, man. It's 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 really cool. It's really crazy, and I'm just learning so much patience um, and so much more love in the process, and more about myself and more about God. But I would say that uh, yeah, man, getting people designated in some kind of prophetic team where there's some kind of equipping um, and in the gifts, and some kind of place where they can actually like kind of I guess if you will, like get in the spiritual weight room, you know what I'm saying? Like just getting people in an environment where like their voice is heard and say, Hey, you're significant. Like what you carry is so important. Like let's get you on this team so that, cause I, I firmly believe that if you can get, cause like, there's this thing where prophetic people tend to isolate themselves from other people because yes, like we see things that are totally different and we feel things so much stronger than other people. And there's this thing of like, Oh, well, I'm prophetic people just don't understand me and you know and so like that plays a lot into why people end up in a situation where they're like parking lot prophets or they don't you know agree with the some of the things the church does or they feel like no one's recognized them as a prophet of God and so obviously I would say that you know if you're a prophet you're really you you really don't need a preface next to your name at that point I would say you just need to be called you know whatever your name is you know and so um, I don't really believe in, in titles as much as I do as, you know, just really being in the community, cultivating it. But I would say that, man, um, having a, a team of prophetic people that's designated to a team and you're cultivating an atmosphere of the prophetic, you're cultivating what it looks like to uh, walk in the gift in the most healthy way and being and being accountable for anything that you may say or do in the best way possible. And so, and with that comes, you know, equipping on the side. And so, um, this year I actually started implementing these Prophecy 101 classes at my local church. And I really felt that it was time to really do that because the more people discover the prophetic and the more people receive prophetic words that maybe draw them closer to God, they become inspired by the gift. And it's like, well, we need to be more inspired by who God is behind the gift rather than the gift itself. And so you have this, I mean, and you you, you would agree with me if I said this, but like, there is this, fascination with the prophetic that's been taking place over the past couple of years. And you can see it all over the, all over the world and even in your local churches. And so I think that getting those people equipped early as possible, yeah. even before they get involved in prophetic ministry will be the best thing for them. And so that's my, um,
0: basically what how I would describe what that looks like in, in a healthy community. So. That's perfect, man. And people need to understand too, when you have a church where the prophetic is free to operate, like my pastor always says, um, a, a little bit of wildfire is better than no fire. Yeah. You're going to have some correction that needs to take place or to rein people in a little bit, but that's the price you pay when you want to have an atmosphere where people are able to hear God's voice and share God's voice. Let me ask you this. Some people hear the verse, um, let every word be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And people interpret that differently. Some people say that means if a word is from God, it'll be confirmed like at least twice, sometimes three times. Other people say that means if you're sharing a prophecy with someone, there needs to be a witness there to basically hold that accountable. What's your take on that? Do you encourage your people if they're giving a prophetic word to have somebody else there to record it? Everybody has different takes. I'm not real dogmatic about any approach. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's
1: a great question too, man. And I guess it really depends on like the setting. Like if you were, like there's been instances where a couple of years ago, um, we actually were doing some like ministry on Saturdays where we set up this kind of thing in our church where we were, we were praying for people in like little prophetic booths. And then we were doing some healing ministry on the side. And so, um, somebody that was on our team at the time had, um, said something to someone like off to the side. It was kind of after the whole ministry time was over and they had mentioned something, um, about someone to someone else, but it was kind of like a prophetic word, yeah. um, the way that it was the way that it was um, said and I guess the tone maybe that it was said to that person came off as very threatening, but there was no one else that was around them. So that person actually came to me and had mentioned, hey, like, this is what so-and-so said, um, which was, I can't really go into detail of what was said just to honor obviously both parties, but um, ended up being we actually had to make a decision to remove one person off the team and leave the other. and so. I see where you're coming from because there could be instances where someone maybe could feel manipulated or threatened because a lot of people do use the prophetic to manipulate or control or to, you know, or to threaten people. Um, but it comes out of control. But anyways, um, I would say it can go both ways. Um, now we do these things called prophetic rooms at my local church. So we do them once a month. Um, we do them the first Sunday of every month in our church. And so, the way that I have it set up as the prophetic team leader is that there's a team of, there's a, there's several teams of two and each person is teamed up with another person uh, specifically for that reason. But also it's much easier to prophesy over someone when you have someone else there with you um, maybe to piggyback off of. But in, but in this case, I have two people there for a reason in case something goes south or someone says something that may be, out of context of the word of God, or maybe their theology might be a little jacked up or they may say something they should have. There's another person there that can be a witness, but also they can be there to maybe help clean up that situation where like, Hey, well maybe he just meant this, you know? And so sometimes having two people there is very helpful, but I guess in like a spontaneous setting, it's like, say if I'm out somewhere and say like, for instance, like two weeks ago, I was at Chick-fil-A and I was having breakfast before work. And this guy that was sitting like a couple of booths back from me, uh, kept making eye contact with me and so I I took it as a of a nudge of like Holy Spirit maybe wanting me to encourage him so I just sat there as I was journaling Holy Spirit like I got my pen out I'll go ahead and write down what you want me to say to him and so the Holy Spirit just gave me some things he wanted me to share with him and one of the things was uh, uh, I kept getting the word called fighter I was like okay Holy Spirit you know we're just I'm engaging with God having this conversation with about this guy that's sitting you know three, three or four tables down for me and so the Holy Spirit just really shared me about how he had such a passion to fight for his family and, you know, all these other like, beautiful, beautiful things. And so I got up and walked over there, and it was just him um, sitting over there. And so in that case, um, after I'd given him the word, like, it really resonated with him, and he felt very encouraged and felt like it, he just kind of felt really noticed and known in the moment by God. And so, but there was no one else there, you know, it was just me and him. So at that point, there was no accountability um, but like I said that's another example of that but so I would say that in a spontaneous moment um it's kind of hard to find accountability but for me I always write stuff like that down and document it um for the sake of having some kind of track record and maybe you know um am I hearing God right or you know just me- just kind of always log that stuff down for re- for multiple multiple reasons one of them obviously is to kind of build a track record and obviously kind of navigate okay am I hearing God maybe I shouldn't have said it this way or sure. so
0: That's awesome. And that's, that's such a good, that's so true. I'm glad you shared that like exception too. It's not like you're going to, you're going to pull Derek from behind the counter and say, Hey buddy, I need you to hold my prophecy accountable. You know what I mean? Agreed. In the moment, let's do it. I love that, man.
1: Yeah. But I would say, I would say in a ministry setting, like if you're ministering with like other people at church, there's
0: always going to be people around regardless. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a safe place. Um, I want to talk specifically about what it's like to hear God for you because I—it's different for everybody. Some people see pictures, some people see words, um, some people see stuff with their physical eye. Some it's their spiritual eye. I kind of want to dive into that because um, I've—I'll just share a real quick anecdote. I was in LA at a conference, and there was a ministry there who had their school students in the foyer um, as like a prayer team and it's a huge ministry school i won't say the name but it, everybody wouldn't know it and they said you know we've got these students who are like a prophetic team slash prayer team in the in the foyer and i'm thinking i traveled to be here I'll, you know we'll go over there and i was with one other person and so we approached this guy uh just kind of for prayer maybe some prophetic encouragement and he he's like what's your name and kind of introduces himself whatever and, like, he, he's like, okay, sounds good. And he doesn't pray at all, like, like not one ounce of prayer. And he just goes, like, kind of like, leans back and forth like this. And he goes, Are you, uh, are you into like culinary arts and cooking? And, dude, if, if you know me, you know that that's the last thing I'm ever interested in. <laughs> like, if I didn't get married, I'd weigh about 120 pounds right now, and I'm 6'4. Like I'm not, I am not a cook, no interest in culinary arts. Anybody who knows me would laugh that that was the, we'll say anointed guess. And so I was like, no man, not really. And he's like, okay, no problem. No problem. And he kind of like leans back and forth. Like he's trying to get a word again. And he goes, are you like a worship leader and into like you know singing? And I'm like, dude, if again, if anybody knows me, they know, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Like, that's the last thing I am. And so finally, he just kind of spiraled and said a few additional things. But it was like one thing after another just totally missed, totally missed. I've been around this stuff. I grew up in it. So I don't care. Like for me, it's not going to hurt me. It's not going to wound me. But I remember thinking, if I was a new believer, or if I was like, a cessationist Baptist who had never been around charismatic stuff. And I just stepped into it. And that's my first experience. Dude, that's a bad taste in my mouth. That's like, I forget all this stuff, whatever. It just validates my unbelief. Um, so fortunately that wasn't the case and I, I was fine. I didn't care, but I'm thinking, what was he listening to? Was he just scouring his mind for whatever he could come up with for you when you're prophesying, what does it sound like when you hear the voice of God?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, That's a good question as well. Um, I know I keep telling you, these are all great questions. And so, yeah, man, um, that's, that's really, really cool. I feel like it's different for me, I guess for different people, it just depends Uh on the person. But I feel like one of the main ways for me when I hear God and something that I have cultivated in my own personal life is like, I like thinking with God. I know that sounds really weird because a lot of people say, well, God's not logical. You know, it's like, but I, I enjoy thinking with God. Like I love, revelation i love deep i just love thinking about him I love thinking with him about different aspects of my life and other people and so one of the ways that i really um like to engage with god especially when it comes to props saying over people i like to ask god questions about them so i was like god like what's your hope what's your dreams for them like hmm. what is something you want to tell them like right now in this moment like what is something that you've been you know i'm just thinking of like these creative questions to ask god about the person that's in front of me or maybe somebody else and so um, a lot of times I just listen for that still small voice that's in my heart because a lot of people think well isn't God's voice like this big audible thing I was like yes it is but I've only heard the audible voice of God like maybe once and it was actually in my sleep And it was so large that it like woke me up and I was so like had so much fear (laughs) like (laughs) not bad fear that was like a fear of the Lord and so um, but yeah man for me like the most of the ways that I hear him is it comes from that still small voice um but it comes in the it comes in the word in the ways of words of wisdom so you have your revelatory gifts which is the word words of wisdom words of knowledge and then the, the gift of prophecy so those are like your main revelatory gifts so i feel like i operate out of uh words of wisdom words of knowledge and the gifts of prophecy a lot more than most mm-hmm. um but now i do have sometimes like right now i'm in a season where like I'm seeing so much like there's so much like activity in the supernatural to where I'm just like seeing stuff. And I don't know what it is. I know someone gave me a word like three or four months ago when we had, uh, we had a guy come into our uh, church from, um, Bethel Austin actually. Um, and somebody in my community gave me a word that this, the seer realm was going to be activated a lot where I was going to start seeing more in the spirit. And so, and that's just what's happening to me, man. So I've been seeing a, I've been seeing a lot more as well. So if I see something over someone, maybe like sometimes I'll see like a word over their head or I'll see like an an impression or maybe even see like a phrase or maybe even like a small like video clip. Sometimes I can see that. Now, I haven't – I've only had like one open vision in my entire life, but most of the things that I see is I see them with my eyes like closed, obviously. And so um, I would say those are probably the, the main ways that I hear from him is that still small voice, um, really out of the ways of words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and um, um, obviously prophecy itself. So. Awesome.
0: Yeah, it's always different for everybody. And it's for each individual person, it varies on a case by case basis. Like you're saying, it might be an image yeah. you see. Sometimes, you know, you, when you prophesy, um, you're saying stuff. And as you're saying it, you're hearing it. And you're like, man, this is pretty good. And it's just like, uh, yeah, the words are flying out before you have a chance to even grab them, you know, and it's so it manifests differently, but the best thing people can do is just dive in and explore it in a healthy community I mean
1: yeah, can, and I think that's I think that's the only and the best way to really to learn how to grow I mean you can go out and try it on your own, but you're not gonna know much about the accountability side. I know you know just the aspects the one oh one aspects of prophecy itself, and so I think that's where the benefits of being in a healthy community comes into play is you have people that are running alongside of you. You have people that you can relate to when it comes to the gifts. And so,
0: um, that's really, really important, man. It's so true. You just got to dive in folks. If you're listening or watching, you just need to dive in. I love the Cheesecake Factory. I can tell you which cheesecake I get I can tell you what it tastes like, what it feels like, how it makes me feel, but you just got to try it for yourself. And really the things of God are the same way, man. I can tell you what it's like, all the facts about it, what it smells like and feels like and what the experience was like for me. But until you just dive in and give it a shot, you just don't know. It's true, man. And so like one of the
1: things that the Lord has just been rocking me with the past like three or four years, especially when it comes to like just life in the spirit, but also in the prophetic, like. I just I even have a road up on my whiteboard in my office and it says you thrive the most when you take risk. And, and awesome. it's so true, man. Like anytime I step out and take a risk, I just feel so much better about myself, but yeah. I feel so much more confident the next time I go to give someone a word. It's like, Oh, like that was so much easier than the last time. So it's like, mm. we're encouraged to really, really do step out and, and, and have that goal of just releasing God's heart over people, whether it be like your mom or, your wife or, you know, someone at Chick-fil-A, for
0: instance, so. Mm, It's amazing. It's amazing. I want to ask you a little bit about the impact that the prophetics had on you personally through people. And, you know, some people may get one word in their life or a handful of words in their life. And those words are unbelievably impactful. And then there's other people who get dozens and dozens of words a year and they shelf them all, you know? Um, I'm thinking of like my wife's my wife's pastor in Denmark Uh, she's from Denmark and so when she was there she worked at this church and the senior pastor there he told me that the way he got saved and gave his life to Jesus was through one simple prophetic word where uh, a a minister came in and looked at him and said son the Lord says follow me (laughs) that's it nothing fancy we're looking for the yea, I say unto thee, thus saith God, and this long prophetic thing, all it was, was the Lord says, follow me, and he said it was just like Jesus was right there speaking to me, he got saved, and the rest is history, you know, he's a long-term pastor in northern Europe now, and so I, you know, I've seen that in my own life, where the simplest prophetic word just has unbelievable impact, I remember when I, when I was 18, I was in this place where I started following Jesus really fiercely, and I was really dealing with a guilty conscience. I felt bad about myself all the time. I had no reason to, but I, I just continually was like beating myself up. I felt nervous around people. I would apologize for things I didn't do wrong. And I was just, I was just really beating myself up all the time. I, felt I was in a workspace mentality. And I remember going to this pastor in Fort Wayne, Indiana, This this service, this wonderful all black church, unbelievably powerful, incredible worship, just You just get gospeled when you're there. And this pastor stands up to preach, Dr. Underwood, really well-educated man. Um, And he just starts prophesying over people. And he starts laying hands on people. And bodies are flying everywhere. And he gets to me, and he looks at me with these eyes that were eternal, full of love. I don't know how to describe it. And uh, he just says, mighty man of God. Who's so hard on himself? If he uh-huh. laid hands on me, and I woke up about 30 minutes later on the floor, and that's yeah. it. That was the that was the entire word. But I, I wept for two hours. I cried, and felt loved. I felt God, and it was the gospel is no longer a theory, but something yeah. experiential at that point. It came
1: real to you in just an instant. Like,
0: yes and that's probably the one of the key features of the prophetic that gets overlooked is it makes god so much more real so it really does. it brings him it,
1: i, I want to make this like a vague but like it almost like brings him to life for some people because some people see jesus as like this horse historical figure but when until you get like a prophetic word or do you get healed of some crazy disease in like one instant it's just like oh like that's what I've been missing
0: out on this whole entire
1: time you know
0: exactly and we've seen it man where people people just start to prophesy people it's like when Jane Hammond was here we're at a dinner with like 20 other ministers and I know all these ministers really really well she doesn't know any of them and she's just reading their mail with with such insane accuracy I'm just sitting there in awe I'm like. God Himself is in this room, and that's what it does for people. If you would share, if you can pinpoint maybe a story or two where the prophetic's been impactful either to you personally or you've seen it move through you to impact someone else in one of those monumental ways.
1: Yeah, it's
0: it's so interesting
1: that you say that because sometimes uh, you know I'll share two, I'll share a few stories and I'll make them, I'll give you the shorter versions because some of these are my books. Typically, I use some. uh, book stories in here. So if you guys haven't picked up my book, you should definitely pick it up. All these stories are in there. There's probably some more too. But um for me personally, like I get more impacted by prophetic words when I'm giving them to someone else that actually like resonates with them or it's like it's like an accurate word that I give out. Like that hits me more than I get. It hits me more when I'm giving someone a word that comes out in that sense rather than just like getting a personal edified word from someone else. I don't know why. It's just like it's almost like every time I give a word that's accurate, it's like I become like a believer all over again. It's like, wow, that was like so amazing, you know? And so, um, uh, but yeah, man, for for me, like a personal word that I gotten and I've been on this like crazy leadership, humility, like patience train lately. And so um last summer, um, this minister came through to our church and he comes over, he comes out every year. He's amazing, He's such a nice guy. And, just love his heart he's has such a such a passion for evangelism has such a passion for for the healing ministry as well but he came through and he was actually praying over me and my wife together and it was just like such an electrifying like um just moment and i just remember the only thing i remember in that moment is that he just said some words he said he said you guys are elite are in leadership training right you guys are training in leadership and that was, it, it was so interesting because at first, like, I didn't really know what he was talking about, but yes. something in my spirit, like, jumped. Like, I just, like, I even actually began to manifest in that moment. Like, I just was just, like, almost, like, trembling, not in fear, but just trembling in so much, like, awe because something in my spirit was confirming with what he said. Yeah. Um, at, the, at the time, I didn't really know what it fully meant but as I began to, um, basically what I did was I wrote that word down and this is where obviously receiving prophetic works comes into play. Like you, you should definitely write those things down and begin to steward those. Cause there is like, you don't just get a prophetic word and say, okay, God, like you're going to make it happen. Like, there's a, there's a process that we go through. There's something that we have to steward. Like God's inviting us into our journey of like, like getting to the destination because God speaks from our future present. And so he's speaking to our presence. I was like, this is who you are. This is how I see you. And so we begin to walk towards the thing that he's calling us to. And so in that moment, like I felt like God was calling me into something way, way bigger than what I had been dreaming about. And so I stood, I began to steward that word, began to write it down, began to ask God questions about it. And so, you know, here I am in this position where I feel like I'm getting a lot of, um, traction in the area of leadership and been given a lot more opportunity to, to be vocal. And obviously you invited me out to come and do this podcast, which is another, honestly, was more of a confirmation to me than anything, uh, confirmation for me. But um, I would say that was something that was really edifying for me in that moment. And that was probably the most recent word. And I'm, I'm one of those people that typically doesn't get a word very often, but when I do, it's like this hammer that just like hits me, you know? And so I feel like I'm releasing more than I am receiving words from people. And that's totally fine. I'm okay with that because I know that when I do get a word, I know that it's always something that's going to be really powerful and really important. and something that's going to be marking for the journey that I'm on with God. So, and that's kind of a personal um, edification moment for me. So I don't know if that makes sense or not.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, Share, before we talk about your book, share a, a story or two of how prophetic has moved through you to bless and impact someone else. I mean, I know you're a humble guy and, and people sometimes don't like sharing their own ministry testimonies, but I've even, have even seen people literally talk in the third person when sharing their own ministry testimonies just to avoid getting any sort of credit. But what's funny yeah. is we give Jesus the credit for it. You know, I, I, I remember someone preaching yeah. and, and somebody came up and said, man, that, that message was awesome. And the guy was like, Oh, that was all Jesus. And uh, the person said, no, if it was all Jesus, it would have been a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> that's true,
1: that's true. I used to be that guy, but like, man, that was all Jesus, man. Like you should give him the glory, you know. Which yes. is true, but I mean, we have to learn how to be good receivers too, you know. So yeah,
0: just smile and nod and say okay. Oh, you, you know
1: what? Yeah, me and me and me and Jesus did a really great job together because that was both of us, you know. So <laughs> right. working together as a team, as a as a community, and so. um But yeah, man, I uh, trying to think. Of, I had two that I wanted to talk about, but I feel like this one would be really really cool. Yeah. Uh, to share. So in 2018, um, me and my wife, um, the house that we're in now, we just closed on it, but we were actually leaving to go to New Orleans. So we're big Alabama fans. Um, her family's a lot of alumni. And I'm obviously, I'm sure a lot of the world probably knows who the University of Alabama is when it comes to college football. So um, we were going out there to play Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. And um, her dad is alumni. So we get a lot of tickets to like a lot of the games that are especially like playoff games, or right, Bowl games. Mm-hmm. And so we drove down to new Orleans, which is actually our, our honeymoon spot as well. So uh, we drove down to new Orleans and we're sitting at the hotel. It's like right across from the Alabama team. And so we're sitting in our lobby waiting on our, uh, our room to get ready. And so, and I, ha- I remember having my tickets in my, my jacket pocket. And so um, I went to go reach down to get them out and we're sitting in the lobby and, I look in and there's a hole in my inside pocket. So I lose my tickets and these tickets are highly valuable, especially when it comes to college football playoff games, especially when you have teams like Clemson, Alabama, playing head to head. And so uh, I'm freaking out for like hours and you know, my wife's having a cow basically. And I'm just, I'm probably more, um, I'm, probably, I'm probably more disappointed than she is. And so I'm just like, we drove all the way down here and we have, no tickets. What are we going to do? You know, all we have is a room. What are we going to do? You know? So I'm I'm pacing the hotel, asking, you know, the staff and my wife's actually trying to get the security to like look on the camera and see if they saw where I dropped it. I mean, we're just like we're trying to do everything we could to find these tickets. And so we ended up not finding the tickets at all. And so I remember um, uh, making an acquaintance with the valet driver as we pulled up because it's so busy down there. Everybody's traveling in and, and so I made acquaintances with the uh, valet guy. So I went to go find him and asked him, Hey, did you see any, you know, an invalid with like tickets or something that's, you know, that's in the car. And so we walked to look in the car and, and didn't see any. Um, and so and I was kind of telling him the situation and he was like, well, I know a guy that comes here all the time for big football games and he rents out one of the big suites on the top stairs. And this is like a really nice, um, really, really nice floor apparently. And so, he was like, would you be interested in maybe buying some tickets from me? I was like, well, it depends on how much they are because, you know, I'm here, I'm willing to pretty much spend whatever I need to at this point until like, I get some tickets because I don't want this, you know, weekend to be ruined for us. And and this was kind of our fun trip together. And so I, I felt like it was up to me to, to kind of make this trip um, oh, yeah. fun and, and, you know, kind of clean it up, I guess. And so I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And so I called my wife I was like, hey, I'm going to go upstairs. to so-and-so sweet. And she was like, where are you going? And she's like freaking out I think I'm gonna go meet this drug dealer or something, you know. And so um we get in the hotel and you have to have a certain key code to get to a certain floor. It's like this really nice, like sweets president floor or something. So we get up there and um we're walking up and we go into this room, and it's this massive room, man, like and it's nothing but glass on one side of the wall, and you can see like the bay, like the New Orleans like bay right there. And there's all these, all these, you know. I would say they're probably at my grandparents' age. They're all just in there hanging out and they're watching the Saints game and they're just like having a blast and there's just so much food and like drinks everywhere and having a great time. And this guy walks up to me and, um, and he was like, are you the guy that lost the tickets? Like, and he's like, yeah. And so we're sitting down and we're chatting and, and he's asking me, and he's asking me about me. It's like, well, who are you? What do you do? And I was like, Hey man, like, you know, I'm actually a full-time student right now and i you know, part-time ministry and, we don't have a lot of money right now. Like we were giving these tickets and so, and so. And I'm just like, I'm still kind of stressed. I'm like, I'm still up here in the moment, you know? And so, um, we're sitting down and like the Holy Spirit just starts speaking to me about this guy. And I was like, man, I, I'm really stressed right now. I don't want to do this. Like I just don't. And so, um, uh, the, the word that he gave me, it was just really short and really simple. And the Lord just told me, he's like, I want you to tell him that the more that he, uh, the more that he would sacrifice for his family, the more that I will pour back into his business. And I was like, how do I even know he's a businessman? Right. And so, um, I told him, I was like, Hey man, like this is super random. I was like, I'm a Christian. Um, I believe God speaks to me. Uh, I believe he speaks to all believers. And so I felt like he wanted me to encourage you with something. So I shared it with him and he was like, like, he was just kind of like he sat there for a second and then his eyes kind of got bigger, you know? And he was like, thank you for that. You know? And I was like, does that mean anything to you? And he was like, well, He's like, I don't know if you know this. He's like, but I'm the CEO of Crystal Springs Water Bottle Company. <laughs> oh so like this dude's like a, I mean, I don't know how much money that business is worth, but like he's the CEO of some crazy water bottle company, you know? And so, yeah. um, and he was like, I would like to know more about, you know, what you hear, or what you're seeing, or, you know, what you believe. And and so like we exchange numbers, like, and I'm like, I just exchanged numbers with a CEO of some like million dollar, probably even billion dollar C, uh, water bottle company, you know? And so... And I just started thinking about, um, it's a verse in Proverbs, I think it's like 1816, where it says, uh, your gifts will make room for you and bring you before important people. And that is so true, man. Like, I feel like I got to live that moment out. and it, I feel like it edified me in the moment. I was like, man, I'm so glad that I really stepped out of my own problems for a second just to let Holy Spirit move in the moment, you know. And here is this, you know, CEO guy who makes all this money and just, Felt so encouraged. He kind of felt like you know he had this new motive in his business, you know. And so, I mean, I haven't heard from him since, but I was hoping that maybe one day he'd swing into Birmingham and want to chat or something. But still, man, like I, I still, you know, it was such a cool moment, and I felt like it was such a great um, risk-taking moment for me as well. So,
0: so incredible. And who, I mean, that guy could be thinking about that every single day since you've said it. Exactly. Yeah. Heaven will show how impactful that word was in that guy's life and God doesn't speak a thing in vain it doesn't return void that's just that's awesome man that's encouraging what a unique yeah
1: man and you know come, come to think of it um the weekend I got back or that I think it was Sunday we got back and me and my wife were getting back home and I actually got a text on my phone it was from him and he was like just reminding me how, how much that word or how much what I said meant to him and was highly encouraged by it and I remember him mentioning that if he came back through Birmingham, Alabama, he would definitely want to like connect. And so I was like, cool. Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, and honestly, I haven't thought of it ever since, you know, but today um, I was thinking about actually in particular that story because I was like going through my book about something, but it was so cool, man.
0: That's incredible. God's such an opportunist, man. That's so good. Is there any other share uh story you want to share or testimony you want to give before we dive into your book?
1: Yeah, I can share I can share uh another personal story, uh, maybe testimony out of our prophetic rooms where we're doing some like our normal ministry stuff at church. And so um me and a friend of mine were on a team together, and this lady came and sat down and we're chatting with her and and um usually these our prophetic rooms are geared towards it's not more of a corporate ministry, it's more of an intimate setting where you're on a you're on a team of two people and you're just you're basically using that time as a gift for the other person to pray over them and prophesy over them whatever if you feel like god's saying in that moment and so um she sits down and she was kind of telling us about and she's like you know like i'm a teacher and i have had a really hard time getting a job for the past couple of years because the last job that she was at i think her coworkers had left a really bad um reference for her like something that she did or said was like out of character but she, I don't think she did it on purpose. It was totally just like a kind of an honest mistake. And so that's kind of been just been creeping and following her everywhere she went to the next job. And she was such a passionate, um, she was so much uh, so passionate about being a teacher. And so, and um, she was just like, really, man, you could tell, that she was really hurting. And so I feel like that was a really cool moment for us to, uh, for me to actually engage with her and say, you know, let's ask God together what he wants to do. Cause she said that she had been applying for other schools and something like that. And, Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, Well let's let's ask God what he um what he wants to share. I was like and I try to invite her into a moment of where maybe she could hear God almost like empowering her. So you know what? Like you can ask God about your situation and he wants to speak to you about it. And so
0: um,
1: we sat there all together and we were praying and I was like I was like, What we're gonna do is we're just gonna listen for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. It may be a little awkward, but I was like, But I want you to just ask God what he wants to say. Ask God what he has for you, you know, in this season, you know. And so we're sitting there and I, I give her about two or three minutes and And I asked her, I was like, okay, do you feel like you heard something? And she's like, no, I just didn't hear anything. And so in that moment I did, I gave myself an opportunity to ask as well. And so the only thing that I got in that moment, I just saw a picture of like this, it was like a specific drawn out tiger. It was like almost like a yellowish tiger with like black stripes. It wasn't orange, but it was like yellow. And so I asked her, I was like, Hey, this is kind of what I'm seeing Um, it may make it may not. And I kind of described her what the tiger looked like. I was like, this is the tiger is kind of yellow with some black stripes um, going across it. And and she was like, that's the mascot of the school that I just applied to. (laughs) So, and she felt like that was confirmation enough for her to to really lean on God for that particular job at that particular school.
0: Awesome.
1: Um, That was a really cool moment for her and for me. I was like, that's awesome. That God would show us that. So,
0: it's so good, man. It's so practical too.
1: Yeah, it's like, so easy. Like it's not this mystical thing. It's like, hey, I saw this picture. What does it mean to you? Because a lot of times people think, a lot of times people think when they receive like a revelation, yeah. um, they think that you know sometimes that could be like a it could be a phrase, it could be a word, it could be a picture, it could be like a almost like a video clip across your screen, you know. And a lot of people think that they have to. um apply that or interpret it and a lot of times and I wouldn't say a lot of times but there's like a 50-50 shot there you can either choose to or not and I think a lot of times people will get it wrong when they try to interpret it for themselves when you should leave it up to the person say hey what does this mean to you right because like the guy that was um attempting the props library he was asking you questions which he really wasn't he wasn't wrong by asking you questions he was probably trying to gauge whether he was hearing God or not in this case he wasn't Which is fine. I mean, we can all take risks. There's nothing wrong with taking a risk. And so that's kind of what I was doing. I was like, here, this is what I saw. What does that mean to you? You know, it turns out it meant everything to her in that moment. So
0: that's so true, man. And encouraging because for people like me, I'm, I'm analytical. I'm an overthinker. And so if I feel like I'm hearing God on something, the risk that I run personally is, um, is, Oh like thinking all of the life out of that word and crippling myself from sharing it because I'm like, I need to know what the word is, how to say it. Um, I've got to gauge in the natural. Would this make sense to this person or not? What you end up doing is like totally thinking yourself out of being bold. It's like the opposite yeah. of the gospel, it's the opposite of, of what we see in scripture, especially when you realize that Paul said we prophesy in part. You're not gonna see the whole thing every time. I'm thinking about um, Peter Lewis, who he used to work at Upper Room as one of the pastors. Now he runs his own ministry. I love Upper Room. And um, what's that?
1: I love Upper Room.
0: Oh yeah, so fantastic. Much. fantastic. Well, Peter, I've known him like for about three years and and he just about a year ago launched um, Braveheart Ministries, his own his own ministry. And Sean Bowles probably Yeah, about a year ago when he was launching it, Sean was at Upper Room and Peter wasn't there, but Sean and Sean didn't know who Peter was, but they wanted Sean to give him a word still. And so they call up Peter and I've listened to the recording. It's, it's, it's unbelievably cool. Sean is on the phone with Peter and just goes, Hey man, um, I want to give you a word. I don't know if this makes any sense to you, to your life, to your ministry, but what is, why am I hearing Mel Gibson? Yes. he goes dude that's i watched a I mean. ministry called braveheart ministries it was just so so cool and then he went on to prophesy from there like really specific really amazing stuff but that's a yeah. perfect example like he, sean didn't have the picture he's hearing mel gibson yeah so random but it's you know actually you don't actually have to know what it is
1: you just you you take the risk yeah you know, like whatever you, you see and hear, obviously like you don't want to say something that's like the opposite of love. We don't obviously, anyone with common sense would know that, but it's like, if you see a picture, man, just like, just throw it out there. If it don't make sense, move on. Like no yep. big deal, you know? And so it's so interesting that you brought up um, Sean Bowles. He came through Birmingham cause he's been doing this like prophetic tour. Uh-huh. Um, and it's so interesting because um, um, he was doing some kind of corporate ministry time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, you, if you've ever been in the same room when he's doing that. It's like you can just feel like, you can just feel God, like, in the room. Yeah. It's so cool, and it's so fun to watch him just casually do it. And now I've, I've seen him mess up, too. I've seen him get him wrong, and it's totally fine. It's not a big deal. And so yeah. um, he, he got on the microphone, and he said, he's like, I just see a picture of a forearm and a hand. And he was like, I just see, like, the number four and, like, the hand, like, forearm. And there was this married couple that was, like, three or four rows up in front of us, and their last name was Forehand. Oh my goodness. And so like they stood up and then he gave, then he gave like a revelation. So like he had a word of knowledge and then he, re- sent, I guess he probably maybe didn't have it until he had the word of knowledge, but he released something over them about, it's like, it's like, I just see you guys. Like you guys, you guys have been on the 500 club before or something like that. And like he gave him word about marriage ministry. turns out this couple had been on the 500 club and they do have marriage ministry. And so the even funnier part about this is that that married couple actually goes to our church now. <laughs> So crazy, man. So crazy. So, so cool.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Go on with stories all day. I want to get, I want to get your book out there in front of the audience. Yeah, man. You, um, you were talking to me even while you were writing the book still and I'm like, man, this is going to be good. And the book is awesome, man. It's called Navigating the Prophetic. If you would describe to people the why behind why you wrote it and the what kind of what it contains and why they might be interested
1: yeah um so the reason why i wrote it it was funny because i feel like my book was burst out of um uh, me just like learning about god and his heart for the prophetic and just really discovering more about what that looked like and so it's so interesting that you say that because i uh, I keep separate journals. Like I'm a huge writer, obviously. Like I just wrote my first book. And so thank you for your help on that as well. You made it so much um, easier for me to get done as well. Um, But I keep separate journals. I have a journal that it's just like my everyday journal that I'm just like writing and like chatting with God and like that's prophetic in itself. And just like just doing devotions, my everyday journal of encouragement or just like writing revelation down. And then I have a separate journal for just like prophetic stuff, whether it's, writing down prophetic words from people or dreams or writing down like things that I'm learning, like God's things that God's teaching me in regards to the prophetic and the prophetic ministry and gift prophecy. And so I feel like um a lot of my book was birthed out of a lot of that. It was birthed out of a lot of obviously stories that God just really showed up in a moment and I was like, wow. And so like with each time that I stepped out and took a risk in regards to giving someone a prophetic word or just encouraging someone like there was something on the back end of that, that I learned about God's heart and about like, who he says about these people and what he says about the prophetic ministry and like how he, how we should approach it. And so a lot of that was birthed out of me recording a lot of those um, testimonies and recording a lot of the revelation I got of a secret place. Cause for me, I feel like the best way to watch your prophetic voice and to Cultivate that is in the secret place with god yes and so i feel like the why just getting out all the things that i've learned because i don't have any kind of um i mean i don't have any kind of ministry degree or anything like that i'm just a guy who is in love with jesus and who wants to like represent him everywhere i go i want to be a light and obviously i have a church covering that's super important and so i feel like it was just something that Something that God really wanted me to do, like even in the secret place, God was like, "Hey, I want to write a book with you." And I'm like, "Okay, well, what does that look like?" And He was like, "Well, you've been writing about the prophetic for like years and been going after and been cultivating. Like, let's let's get something out there." And so, and so it's just funny because on the front of my book, there's like a. you care if I hold it up? Is that cool?
0: Go for it, man! Please do.
1: Yeah. So, in the front of my book, there's like some maps, you know, and a, and a compass there. And so, the reason why I was so. um, Um, adamant about getting having the theme more of like a journey more like a guide and I just want my book to be a roadmap um, for people um, into the prophetic almost like almost kickstarting their prophetic journey you know what I'm saying because like I feel like this book is a lot of my prophetic journey and turning into a devotion where people can engage God with each chapter and just engage God in certain aspects of the prophetic so I feel like for me I could I've just been on this really cool wild journey where God's just been like showing up in the small mundane moments, but also in the big stressful moments. like, for instance, the guy with the CEO, that book's in there, and it's a lot more in-depth. And so he's just, like, shown up in so many different areas of my life in regards to uh, stepping out and taking risks in the, in the prophetic. And so um, – but I don't – like, I think the prophetic is so much for life and ministry. It's not just for ministry. Like, the prophetic's for life, too. I called it um, navigating the prophetic, a guide for life
0: and ministry. So mm. – that's so good, man. It's, it's practical. It's real. And I think people who read your book, they're not just going to experience good teaching and be, I don't want to say the word entertained, but there is like an entertainment element when you're reading any book, right? You, you enjoy the process, but they're also going to receive an impartation. I really yeah. think people who read it are going to walk away with a grace, with an ability to hear God, to share God in a way that maybe they didn't before. And so if you're yeah. listening to this, watching this, go to amazon.com right now. Type in Navigating the Prophetic by Jason Dunaway, buy eight copies, buy 10 copies, buy 100 copies, contact him for bulk orders, push it in your church, push it in your life groups. If you're starting a prophetic community, it'd be an awesome resource because when you're building these groups, you need all the help you can get. And, and Navigating the Prophetic is just an awesome tool to encourage that and to make that happen. So I would, I would highly endorse and highly recommend the book. And uh, yeah, man, what else do you want to share about the book? What was the, what was the most difficult process in writing it? Cause everybody talks, I mean, I've written books and it's, it's tough, man. It's not easy. What was the biggest challenge for you? Yeah, to
1: yeah it, it really isn't tough, man. But obviously people like you make it a lot easier for us to get it out there and, and kind of get that process started. And so I felt like the easier part for me was just going in and like fleshing out all this that was in the journal, that was actually fun for me personally, because I felt like I got to kind of revisit some things that I maybe forgot about that I experienced with God. So I felt like there was like a new hunger that was birthed in me in the prophetic as I was like fleshing out all the stuff on my, onto my computer from my journal, because everything was just kind of thrown in there with verses and stuff. So I actually had to go back through each, each page, you know, and be very detailed about what I was reading and kind of bring it, almost bring it to life um, if you will. And so, um, that was the easier part, but I feel like the harder part was actually the rewriting process, having to go back and like rewrite, rewrite, and having actually had two or three people on my end, even you, um, go in and read it for me. Like re- I, when I was pretty much finished with her, as I was like closing up the l- last few chapters, I actually had uh, my mother-in-law and a friend of mine named Josh Kosker, who actually wrote his first book um, about a year before me. He actually wrote a prophetic manual, and so... Um, I got, I got him to, um, read my book as well. And he sent me this email with all of these like grammar errors and like some other things, like some, like maybe some words to like kind of switch around. And so it's just always good to have extra eyes on your project. And yeah, it is kind of vulnerable because you're letting people see, you know, your process, you're letting people read about your process. And so, um, that was probably the harder part was having, uh, Someone critique you in the most loving way possible. And so, and uh, I feel like that was the harder part for me was really just um, having to do the rereads, the rewrites um, after you fleshed everything out. And so, that thought like that process
0: took longer than anything. Yeah, that's gruesome, man, because even once it came to us, you know, you have a collaborative doc with our editor and developer and there's conversation there. There's reworking, rewriting. And so people who write a book and, and type that last period and think, OK, it's ready. Um, it's kind of like building a house and all you did was frame it and, and put up some put up a roof and you're ready to move in. It's like, no, there's drywall, there's paint, there's electrical, there's plumbing, there's landscaping, there's inspection. There's a certificate of, of uh, residency that needs to be given. Like, there's yeah. so much more involved. And that I'm, I'm in total agreement with you, man. One of the most difficult phases is just that post production process of publishing. But, man, it's so worth it. And it, and it just produces a really amazing product. And, and I'm excited about your book and to see what God does with it. It's just yeah,
1: man. Yeah, I feel like he's already done so much um, in that area, dude. Like I've already had to reorder more books, you know. And so um, I've, the most of the feedback that I've gotten from people that have read my book is that the stories really kind of, uh, for them, the stories that I've the, te- the personal testimonies and stories really brought um, God to life um, in in the prophetic. And so I really feel like the adding those that as a personal touch was really, really good for people, Uh, rather than just having a chapter about information and theology, like actually having a story, testimony, and something my pastor always says, like, when you have a testimony, you're adding color to it, you know, you're adding some kind of flavor, um, Some someone can actually see and taste, kind of like what you said about the cheesecake, you know, people are actually being able to say and, or to see and kind of taste and um, experience, um, what you actually are learning rather than just writing information down on a page and just leaving it at that. So,
0: so good. So good. Talk a little bit about prophetic pilgrimage. Where do you see your ministry going? Are you going to be developing like teaching series from, from the book? Are you going to be releasing additional content? Um, where can people find out more about you? If you could kind of give us a, a recap of some of those things. Yeah,
1: man. So, um, after I wrote the book, um, you know, um, I thought I was going to be done, you know, I was like, Oh, that's it. I wrote it. I'm done. You know, I've sold some books and, but like, you still kind of marketing (laughs) your book, you know, you still kind of, you have to get it out there, you know, the city and hear and read it. Um, something that on a, you know, this is like a personal thing that I do to kind of keep myself, from being stagnant when it comes to hearing God's voice, like every day I have a certain thing that I'm like praying for. So like on Mondays I'm always praying over my marriage, and Tuesdays like I'm praying into my book and praying into what that looks like, and other days I'm praying for other stuff. So you know I'm on my lunch break and I'm you know spending time with the Lord and praying about my book, and He's like, I want to bring your book to life. And I'm like, hey, well, what does that look like? And so, and so like I uh, just started praying about. I was like, God, like you know, I want you know, my ministry to be about you, I don't want it to be about me, and so, and so something that I really do have a passion for is just really equipping, uh, I really do want to equip people uh, to be more familiar with the prophetic, I want to equip people to know that they can to prophesy, you know, and so I do have a heart for equipping, I do for evangelism, Um, I just have a heart for people growing their gifts and callings, and so, um, and I feel like everyone has their own amazing God story too. And I think it's so cool. And so, um, something that I'm kind of, I, it's still in the process. Um, and it's called prophetic pilgrimage, pilgrimage. And it's kind of really just patient into discovering God's heart, um, in the prophetic. And that's really what it's called. Like we're all on a journey of discovering God's heart, you know, and that can look like something different for some people. And so, but for me, like this, for me, the, the ultimate pilgrimage looks like discovering God's heart in the, just in the area of the prophetic and the prophetic ministry and the gift itself. And so I'm just really like on this really crazy journey of discovering more and more about his heart in that area and, you know, how he wants to use me in that area. And so I feel like we're all kind of on our own journey. And so um, really i um, in the process of launching this thing called prophetic pilgrimage. And, you know, I, I do want it to be a ministry. You know, I don't want to sound like modest, but I do want it to be a ministry and I want it to be an outlet where people can get um, information. People can get encouraged. People can feel like they're gaining some kind of wisdom um, when it comes to the gifts and they're getting knowledge on it. And so um, my goal in that is to really just uh, share content. Um, obviously something I'm doing right now, I'm doing, um, I do have an Instagram. It's called a prophetic pilgrimage. It's not, you know, anything uh, flashy, but I'll, I'm sharing weekly or I'm trying to, at least I'm sharing weekly, Um, Instagram videos and share. I'm actually going through a chapter of my book each week. I'm just reading a random chapter, like from front to back. And I have these connection points at the end of each chapter where you kind of just engage with God and journal with God. And so um, going over those kind of connection point questions and really just talking about them, kind of talking about my process and like what I was experiencing in that moment um, when I was writing that chapter or when I was, you know, maybe sharing that testimony. And so um, so right now I'm just sharing weekly Instagram videos and um, um, my good friend Elijah, who actually designed the cover, he just, he just sent me all of my um, logos and stuff for Prophetic Pilgrimage. So I'm about to roll out a lot of content uh, for Prophetic Pilgrimage. Um, I'm about halfway done with a website as well. And so hopefully I can get that rolling. And then one of the other things that I haven't mentioned is that I really feel like God wants me to do a podcast where i just have different it's interesting because you're kind of doing this thing too but it's more of an aspect of um kind of with the books and you're sharing you're letting people allowing people to share more about their book and their heart and so i think that's totally amazing and so um uh, but for me i want to have this podcast um i'm just going to call it prophetic pilgrimage i'm just yeah. going to leave it at that uh, prophetic pr- prophetic pilgrimage hosted by me and just having different people um on there and just letting them share their god journey of like hey like you know, what's something that God said over you that completely changed, uh, the, the trajectory of your life. And so just making it about someone's God story, making it about someone's, um, story where, you know, the prophetic has maybe, you know, impacted their life or, you know, in a way for the better. And so those are kind of the things that I'm doing, uh, right now and working on. And so, you know, it's, it's not as, it's not as happening as fast as I would like it to because obviously i have a full-time job. Um, I still have to keep working. I just had a baby, um, about nine months ago. I was actually still writing my book, um, when I was actually in the hospital and I was still like typing my book down and closing up the last chapters, you know? And so, uh, but yeah, those are kind of the things that I'm doing right now. So I'm glad that you did ask about the prophetic, uh, pilgrimage, man. That's definitely something that I'm, um, getting ready to launch here really
0: soon. So, Awesome. Well, we're going to keep a close eye on it, man. And I want to have you back on too. Once that gets rolling and going even more to just talk about some of that content, promote that and give it a platform. Cause I, I believe in it. I really need to make it to Alabama and we can do this thing face to face. I've been to a lot of you states in the U S but I am missing God because I've never been to Alabama. <laughs> Dude, you have to come out You have
1: to come to Birmingham. Alabama. There is there's so much places to um, eat down here. There's so much, so much great, uh, so many great restaurants, man. So many local good foods.
0: And so I think that you would enjoy that very much. So. Oh yeah, man. Food's my love language. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man! Listen folks, this has been amazing hearing God. I'm, I'm sold on hearing God's voice. I've been sold on hearing God's voice since I was a kid, but I am resold on hearing God's voice both for people and for myself it's just practical it's exciting it's a love adventure and i hope everyone watching this just goes from here with a new perspective on on hearing god i mean like just the other day i had this watch that i'm wearing right here is a skagen watch it's a danish brand and i found it for like 40 bucks in the us at this discount store brand new but usually they're like 300 bucks in denmark like it's not a Rolex, but it's, I love this watch. It's a smart watch. I can take pictures from it. Uh, It buzzes when I get an email and and I love this watch, but I lost it for like two or three months. Couldn't find it anywhere. It was my go-to watch looked everywhere. You know, every week I'd take like 30 minutes and just scour the house trying to find this watch. And finally I had had enough. I was like, I told Laura, I was like, I am finding that watch right now. And so I go into the kitchen and I said, Lord, you know where this is. I don't, but you do. And you can tell me. And so I I pray that you would show me where this watch is. And I do this thing where, you know, Paul said, when you pray in tongues, pray that you may interpret, which is the equivalent of prophecy. Right. So I just pray in tongues for about a minute or two straight. And then I just get really still and I see the cabinet where the watch is. And so it's in, it's in, it's in a part of the house. And so I go straight to that cabinet. I open it up. I look under something that was there and the watch is sitting right there. I mean, I had looked for this thing for months, never inquired of God about it. And I finally, I broke and I'm like, Lord, you got to show me. And I just saw it just a quick prayer. I was like, I could have done this months ago. This would have been a whole lot easier. And so the voice of God is just practical. It's fun. It's exciting. It's useful. It's useful. And it's impactful. And I really believe that the furtherance of the gospel in this world is dependent upon not just people hearing the logos written word of God and preaching it, but hearing the live real rhema word of God and declaring it. And so Jason, any last thoughts you want to leave people with as we close? Um,
1: Man, I would say just take risks, take risks. Uh, that, that's something that's, impacted me the most because you never know until you step out. You never know until you step out. So if you don't bring God out into the world, you're actually missing the world. You're actually, you're actually allowing the world to miss out on God. And so I would say just get out there and take risks. Don't, um, don't keep prophecy in the four walls of the church. Take it outside the church. Um, love on people because there's a, there's a, there's a hurting world out there that is
0: seeking for something real. and often. So. Amen. Awesome. Listen, folks, you can find his book at Amazon. Check him out at the Prophetic Pilgrimage on Instagram. This has been the En-ROAD podcast. I'm Nick Poe, and we will see you next time.